When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Amir. And this is also Amir. And you're listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Life from the perspective of a gay South Asian married couple. Enjoy. Hello. Oh, have we started? We have started. I thought that hello was like a, a joke. Hello, like, hello. And just give me another test or like you hadn't pressed it yet. It is not a joke. It is really real. It is a. It is as real as my singing voice. I'm not joking, bitch. Who do be a seabird? Who? Who? Do... I was, I, you know what? I started proper dancing then, and then you just you couldn't do it. Who do be a seabird? Me da ba ke chali ai. Khul jai wahi baat to dohai hai dohai. Oh, do you know what? I'm not doing that very well. Wow, that is the slowest clap in the world. I'm trying to clap slow and far away. Um, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Round of applause, flowers, bow, everything. Yes, thank you. Encore. Oh, Send I can money possibly do it one more time. Maybe at the end. Tardy. Oh, my God. This is not the end, girl. Oh, but do you know what? Maybe this is what switches people off. My singing. I, I, I'm not saying anything. Okay. Do you know I'm what? I'm dumb. <laughs> do you know what? It's so funny. Do you know what I was doing then? Yeah. And I forgot people can't see us. I was like doing a bitchy sip of my water. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, was I was like, like "Where have you gone?" And, and do you know what? Full on, I was like, "Oh shit! No one can see us. My bitch's sip of the water doesn't matter." Anyhow, moving on. Hi, hello everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. We love you, but you don't, don't love, love me. Amir, how are you? Do you know what? Can I tell you something? Meow. We are recording this at a certain time, and if our Insta stories are fun at this time because we are with the dog right now. We are with a child. So I'm very, very happy to be with a gorgeous chocolate chocolate Labrador who belongs to our neighbours and friends. And we have her for five days. They don't know that, but we have her for five days. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> they know, they know, trust us. Five days, which will turn into five years. Behave. Oh, what's she doing? Oh, she's up, up. Oh, she, 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 heard heard, she heard about her. She heard, okay, so guys, oh, oh we no, are girl. go go. She's really getting into it. Is she? So oh my god, are... she's gone in the beanbag. She got brave. No way. Yeah, she's getting. She's it's her home, El Casa de Su Casa or something. But yeah, we have a gorgeous chocolate Labrador that we are dog sitting because. And do you know what? Oh it's really god. it's really transformative. Can I say something? Yeah. She's just so cute right now. If you could see her right now. Oh my God, my heart. We've been posting pictures of her. We'll, we'll probably post a really, really nice picture of her. 
at some point um, so you guys can see how gorgeous she is. And I have an announcement to make. <gasps> As a result. You're also a dog. Well, my dad's a dog, but that's a different story. Yeah, she's gorgeous and perfect. Go on. As a result of bringing a dog into our lives and seeing as to just how transformative and positive our lives have now become, we have decided to get a dog. No, right. That's editing out. No, it's not. We can't not. announce things that are not going to happen right now. Or like, you can't announce something that hasn't happened because that just puts like, I'll keep it in, but that puts bad juju in there. Audible gasp. How dare Listen, you? Listen, people, please DM us a comment. Bad juju or what? It's not bad juju. Do you know what? Speak into existence, as you used to say. So we're getting a dog. Right. Well, you speak into existence, bitch. That existence is a black hole. Okay. <laughs> right. Anyway. I'm so sickening. Point A. Do you want a dog? Yes or no? That is all what I'm interested in. I don't care <laughs> yes. about your backstory. Yes. There we go. Right. Okay. Well, we'll get one then because your happiness means everything to me. <laughs> Chocolate Labrador is what we're going to get. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> you little bitch um, Yeah it's just so nice Having a dog And just um, An adult sized dog Who's very chill Yeah what have you been up to recently What have we been up to recently What's going on in the world um, Booked Blessed And busy Yeah it's very much Club Brunch Another, another brunch club, another, another show club. Oh my god <laughs> It's everything popping off But you know what Mm. Through you know, our lives are changing at the moment. Let's be honest. You know, our lives are changing tremendously mm-hmm. into a positive, you know, way. And you know, we moved to Manchester last year, and it's been over a year since we've been living here now. It's been great, and that triggers things, though, don't you think? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, you know, not a touch wood. Manchester's been brilliant to us, and we've had a great time. But the mind is really. It works in such a bizarre way because, you know, sometimes I'll just sit in pin drop silence and I'm just like, ah, this is nice. And then my brain's like, remember in 2004 when your mom did rah, 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 to you and then this happened and your family said this. How did that make you feel? And I'm like, for fuck's sake, like, how is that memory triggered? And I think the reason why is because we've managed to strip away a lot of the stresses of our lives and now our mind is ready to unpack and deal with a lot of stuff that we didn't realize we needed to deal with. Would you say that's right? I completely agree. You know, I think we, we get into a place that we have pushed to get to, you know, we've worked hard to get to where we are much more chill, much more relaxed um, with our stresses and our worries and concerns in life that, like you said, it triggers things and it, it's allowing us, I guess, to unpack, um, trauma from childhood, from teenage years that we have to deal with at the end of the day, babe. You know, we, we have do. to deal with it so we can grow from it, so we can learn from it, and so we become more evolved from it. And you know what? Can I say something? It is not just us, and this is the reason why I, I personally do really want to talk about this because as a queer South Asian, growing up, we didn't have this. We had the radio, and all what the radio was good for was playing the odd Beyonce track. And you know, as great as that was as a kid. Mm. Growing up, I've realized that it would have been great to have some sort of queer South Asian representation. And now we have podcasts and there is queer South Asian representation out there. And I'm just hoping that through this podcast, particularly the next couple of episodes, I hope that our audience, as always, uh, will continue to resonate with what we say and heal together. I, I genuinely want that for us because, 
you know, there's so much that, um, especially as South Asian families, you know, there's so much that we brush under the carpet. And even in the Western world, you know, we've heard of analogies such as, you know, the white picket fence and keeping up appearances. There's so much that you brush under the carpet and you just gloss over and hope for the best. And the reality is that you just can't do that. You you know, if you imagine just, you know, sweeping dust under the carpet every single time, at some point it's going to turn into this massive mound of discomfort and ugliness that you're just going to have to deal with. And that's something that we're doing. <laughs> that is, wow, it is heavy. That, it, is some, that is something we're doing and it's a constant, you know, um, learning progress. And I want to echo what Amra just said about us all sort of doing this together. You know, we are obviously speaking on the podcast, it's our podcast, but, you know, I do feel a, a sense of community when I talk because we know people are listening and oh, responding. Yeah. So it, it means a lot towards you communicating with us and getting involved because it means our voices are being heard. But not only that, you know that you're not alone. Yes, know that you are not alone and you're not the only one who's going through this. Unfortunately, there are more people out there who are going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing. But in and amongst it all, we have the ability to heal and get better together. Mm-hmm. So should we talk? To, to, <laughs> we <laughs> haven't even announced what we're talking about today. Should we start talking about shite? <laughs> yeah, let's talk should shite. Should we talk about toxic upbringings, families, and all that kind of crap? Yes, these episodes are about toxic families, and it's in two parts. The first one, trigger warning, is very much going to be an open can of worms. It's going to be a mess. And then the second episode, we are hoping in some way, <laughs> shape or form to kind of reconcile with what's happened. Of course, we're not therapists. We don't have a ther- therapist on this episode. We will hopefully, fingers crossed, if all goes well, have a therapist on a future episode. So here goes. Would you like to talk first or would you like me to ask a question? I think we should... Um, should we pose questions out there? Like, as in, it's, not, question. as in, it's not you, but it's another person. I have a question. Go on. What constitutes as a toxic family? Wow. Can I answer in terms of for me and my experiences? Yarns. Because I don't want to do some kind of dictionary definition personally. Yarns. So if that's what you're Googling, you can fuck off. (laughs) Um, For me um, and my experiences, what constitutes as a toxic family? A family um, that makes you feel unsafe. Okay that at times might make you feel unwelcome mm-hmm. and that sort of oppresses and squeezes every ounce of good happiness, hope and life out of you. Oh, wow. That's quite similar to what my understanding is. And as part of this episode, I referenced Dr. Susan Ford's book called Toxic Parents and How to Overcome Their Hurtful Legacy. So I echo what you're saying uh, in quite a large way. I think a toxic family member will certainly make you feel, regardless of the type of abuse um, they have done, whether it's verbal, emotional, physical, or otherwise, I think, you know, if they are toxic towards you, they will certainly make you feel uh, worthless. They'll make you feel inadequate, um, definitely unlovable, Uh, And definitely vulnerable as well. I think, you know, if you have a toxic family member, they will definitely make you feel like that for sure. Mm, I I agree, especially with your upbringing. And, you know, I want to just touch upon something I just thought about. You know how we always say, you know, my upbringing made me who I am and, you know, I'm proud of all that. 
why did we ever say my upbringing wasn't great and I'm not proud of that, but I've come away from that and become a better person. That is what I say. You know, yeah, that's what I've said no, in do, my interviews. Do you, know, do you know, like the general sort of consensus of what people say? Oh yeah. yeah uh, because, maybe really tough. Because you know what the thing is, Amir, your family is your source of love. Mm. That is like, say for example, we've got a dog today, right? She doesn't know anything else. In this moment right now, you and I are the hand that feeds. She, regardless of how we treat her, that is all what she will know. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the foundations of any relationship is sort of love and respect, right? And if you mix a little bit of toxicity in that, you will, your mind will um, incorporate that as being love. And then when you grow older and you realize that that is not what love is, it becomes a source of embarrassment. And then you then you go into complete denial mode. But then also certain, certain family members will encourage you to keep it a secret because they will they will make you feel like as if you are breaking uh, an unspoken bond and you are breaking people's trusts. You know, every single interview that I do, like I... I will speak about my family. Uh, apart from this podcast episode, I've always spoken about my family members in an overviewing sort of term. And every time, every single time I do it, I do. There's a part of me that feels like as if I'm betraying my family. And I'm being serious. And it's because it's because of the toxic nature in which I was raised. It's you are breaking this unspeakable bond. Whereas in reality, you should be able to say what you want because somebody else may be able to help you that that's what it is and you're right you should you should actually turn around and say do you know what i didn't have the great greatest start didn't have the greatest upbringing and i'm here to undo it and get better no i i agree and you know coming back to your point where you said you know you you're not usually given overview and you feel you feel bad um i'm going to ask you a question yes so what in what made your family uh, toxic and can you give a few examples from your upbringing. I can give you many. I can certainly give you many. Um, well, we haven't all got all day, darling. <laughs> um, one which uh, I want to talk about is physical abuse. Mm. Um, physical abuse was massive in my family. It really, really was. Uh, and I have vivid visual memories of it, sort of compounded by betrayal of trust. And I'll start lighter. In terms of betraying, betraying trust, right? I remember the one of the earliest memories I have was uh, of my mom. She would always get us dressed and uh, ready to look nice on a Friday. And I'm one of those weird kids whereby I have vivid memories of nursery as well. I, I, I remember everything. Yeah. Oh, like I remember a considerable amount. My mom would get us ready. And she showered me and I said to her, I used to hate having coal put into my eyes. So it's a, that's like a powdered eyeliner. It's very common in Islamic culture to kind of beautify the eyes. And men wear it as well. My dad used to wear it. And I used to hate it because it was this pointy needle-like thing going into somebody's eye. And I hate having things going into my eye. And I suppose it's probably because of that. That's why I struggle with contact lenses and stuff. And I said to my mom, I said, please don't put it in my eye. And she said, okay, I won't. And then she got my head under her knee and kind of completely immobilized me my god and then put the coal in my eyes and i remember i was screaming and she was shouting at me as well and she was kind of like quite terrifying and that really broke my trust she broke my trust by doing that because she said she wasn't going to and she did and i know it's a simple thing 
but that really um, got to me. And there's another thing that I always make a joke about, and that's when um, she would make curry and uh, there was potatoes. She would always put potatoes in the curry, and I love potatoes. And there was this one time uh, I could see these lines in these so-called potatoes, and I said, these aren't potatoes. And she said, yes, they are, just have them. And it turned out they were turnips. And as a result, I hate turnips because she lied to me. And I suppose she was making us eat them because they're better for you and, and yada, yada, yada. But that was another thing that br- broke my trust and I and I just didn't appreciate that and as a result I you know I don't appreciate insincerity I mean I get you know those examples may not be as as toxic but physical abuse certainly is and you know my mom was incredibly physically abusive towards me to the point where you know I have a piece of my ear missing from where my mom beat me up we were walking outside a middle school and my mom hit me in such a way that I collided with uh, a metal fence. The school fence was metal. And then we carried on walking and then she just smiled and she was like, I think my sibling said, oh, there's blood or he's bleeding from his ear. And I vividly remember they didn't acknowledge it very strongly. It was almost like, no, 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 we can't bring attention to the blood because that would confirm that my mom hit me. And then she came home and then she was smiling and then she kind of said something like, oh, you've got a bit of blood coming here or something. And then years later, I mentioned it to her. I said, this was because of you. And she never admitted it. She said, no, that wasn't me. And, there's, and you know, you can feel a chunk of my ear missing. Yeah. There is a, there's an actual chunk of my ear missing. Um, then other stuff like, you know, beating up with crutches, my siblings making them bleed from the head by hitting them with milk crates, being slapped across the face for not reading the Quran properly, having scissors thrown at me, having, you know, shoes thrown at me uh, for the slightest thing. You know, she was a full on, I, I would say bipolar, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a therapist, but she was an incredibly abusive woman. And then, you know, having abuse seen thrown, you know, having abuse happen to my siblings as well. And my dad was uh, instrumental in that as well. Not so much towards me as much as he was towards my uh, elder brother. And it's almost, it's almost very primitive, Amir. It really is. It was almost like, oh, well, he's the next male, so I must take him down. Yeah. And we've seen it in sitcoms. We've seen it, you know, being portrayed in certain ways in Modern Family or Blackish, for example, but not to this extent. Like, you know, my brother was soft-spoken when he was younger, and he would taunt him and call him names similar to, um, uh, you know, one of my mom's female friends. So he was feminizing him. And he and making him known that it was bad to be feminized, and he would just cry. And then my mum would lock him up in, um, literally, you know, in Matilda, how you have the chokey. It was that without the nails. They would lock him up for hours in there, where there was no light, no nothing. As a child, I don't, I don't know how and why they thought that was right, and where they got these ideas from, or they were. How was that love? There, well, there you go. It it no. was. Now that I think back at it, you know, regardless of my non-existent relationship with my uh, with my family, uh, by and large, but with my elder brother, I'd say I didn't really have a relationship with him since two thousand and seven, and I'm happier for it. He transferred a, a lot of abuse to me, and so with my brother, as I say, he transferred a lot of that on me. And as I'm talking about it, I realize what he, what he was doing because I was effeminate. 
answer everything that he hated about himself maybe uh, and everything that was happening to him he would he transfer it onto me and he was incredibly abusive towards me you know the beatings literally using me as a punching bag on a daily basis you know I would be bruised through and through legs shins arms you name it every single day like I it, I would have a new bruise every single week and that was just normal and I hated it it was it was a living hell for years and years and years it was um and I never knew how I would ex escape it and I guess university changed it for me it really did go up to university and my parents didn't do anything about it or they never did it, it I can't remember a single time where they did maybe once or twice where they must have told him off or something but it it that was another betrayal because I didn't, I didn't feel great about myself. You know, I started graining weight. I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to be hidden. Um, and I felt let down by my parents because they failed to sufficiently protect me. And there's a lot that's happened since then, you know, to the point where I said, look, he needs to live outside of the family. He's a threat to, you know, my sister. He's a threat to you. He's squaring up to everyone. And they just enabled him and carried on. And that betrayal carried on right up until I was kicked out because they had drawn their lines and I was clearly on the other side of it. And then with my sister as well, she was abusive towards me as well. I distinctly remember she had these giant wedges and she kicked me in the shin for literally nothing, left me with a massive bruise. And and I, I wouldn't do stuff to the to my siblings and stuff, maybe once or twice in retaliation to their physical physical abuse. I think once I floored my brother and kicked him in, the, in his backside in front of people. And then my sister, I don't think I ever did anything to her. That's it. And then with my sister, once she slapped me across the face and her nail caught my face and I had a giant, I, I had a giant chunk of, skin ripped right across my cheek my family didn't do anything about it they took her side and it happened in front of my entire family and I that turned into a scar and I had that scar for years for years and years and years and my brother and sister would call me Captain Scarlet or something from do you remember that puppet show yeah yeah from, from there and it literally took I probably went right up until university time with that did that scar go away and I just think to myself you know, uh, and then subsequently I was told that I have to be really strict with my younger brother. And there was a few times where I was, um, you know, not particularly kind to my younger brother. But I put a stop to that really early on because I realized that what I was doing was wrong because my parents were enabling it. And now when I think back at it, I think, oh, well, I guess the abuse that happened to me was probably enabled by my parents. You know, they probably told my siblings to do that. Mm. Potentially, who knows? Well, they've got to take the responsibility. They're the adults. Yes, they have to take the responsibility. They are the adults with, yeah. with four children in the house, you know, who are beating each other up. Yeah, and so I, I, I even said to my younger brother, I said, look, you know, what I did to you, I'm really, really sorry. It was nowhere near as severe as what my elder brother did to me. But, you know, you don't even have to call me brother because, you know, you can call me by my name. I, I'm not going to create a hierarchy with you because that's just ridiculous. And also, I... I started retaliating and telling my parents that I'm not his parent. I'm not responsible for him. Mm -hmm. And they didn't quite know what to do with that. But, you know, this abuse carried on before me as well. Um, my grandma, who's lovely towards me, was very abusive towards my mum at times. Uh, and then my, gra my 
paternal grandma was abusive towards my mum. So it, it, it really is a cycle of abuse. Um, and we would hear the stories of them. Uh, and then my uncles were abusive towards each other to the point where one of them beat the other one with a metal uh, rod uh, and um, damaged his eye. So he was so he he's actually bog eyed. It, one of the eyes doesn't function properly. And he's and he's been like that ever since we've known him. It's a complete, complete cycle. So that's one type of a, one type of abuse. What about what about you? So, I'm so sorry you had to go through all that. First of all, it's thank thank you. I mean, it's it's done. I did say the episode's going to be an open kind of worms, mm. but it's about toxic families, and it's you know I'm happy and bubbly, and uh, I will you know we'll we'll do stuff online and yada yada it'll yada. It'll all be fun and games. It'll all be fun and games, yeah. But you know, let I'm not afraid to talk about this stuff anymore. But because, also, go on, sorry, because you know. Who am I protecting by not talking mm. about it? Also, you know? we want to get to more fun and games. And to get to more fun and games, we have to go through this. Yes. You know, we, we, are, we are strong and brave enough to know that. You know what? We have to go through this because it, we can't lock it away. And, you know, for, for myself, I guess what I'm learning is, bitch, I locked so much shit away. Oh, yeah. Like, it is fucking crazy to the point where I, I've sat there and said to Amrit, babe, there's just something, this happened on this day and something else happened, but I can't remember it. Yeah, you have um, black spots in your yeah, memory, don't I you? Yeah, I can't remember it. And I, I, See, mine was more oh, fucking psychotic shit, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just straight up. It was it was really manipulative mind gameplay, you know, with, with my um, extended family, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my, my blood family here. And I, I remember instances, and there's so much I still don't remember, and most of mine happened around Eid, you know, Eid time, mm. or, you know, celebrations. You know, I used to go to my grandmother's. We, I originally lived there until I was about three or four, about three. And then, you know, then we moved out and et cetera, et cetera, and went back every single week. Mm-hmm. For God knows how long, babe, two hours, too old. Do you know what I mean? Until actually I turned around and stopped going mm. <laughs> because I, I was like, I'm not talking to him anymore. Yeah. And I do remember some instances, and we were talking about this the other night, and I remember one instance where me and my, you know, my aunties and my relatives, we were in the house for Eid. We were, we were all young, but I'm supposed one of my aunties was, you know, a bit older than us. So, she, you know, she was looking after us, I don't know, 2021, whatever. And my mum, my grandparents had popped out and they said, just, they just was like, don't answer the door. If your uncle comes, don't answer the door. By mm. the way, sideline, these relatives fall out and make up all the time. It's fucking ridiculous. Don't answer the door. You know, he's gonna. He's, he's, not, he's not great at the moment. He's not in a good place. And from what, from what I remember, because like I said, I've got black spots. A bitch wanted to fight. Do you know what I mean? He mm. wanted to fight anything and anyone. And I might have been a teenager, but bitch, I'm still a child. You yeah. know, I'm a yeah. child, whatever age I was then. And all I remember was we were in the upstairs big room and my little brother and another relative of mine who was younger were in the other room. We were like, oh, we have to look after them. Why am I looking after them, first of all? Um, and then protect them from what's going to happen. Bang, 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 bang on the door. Bang, bang, bang on the door. He's mm. tr- my uncle's there. I think he lived only across the road. He's trying to smack the motherfucking door down. He screams, right? He screams, mm-hmm. I've got a gun. I'm going to shoot you all. It's strange thinking about it because in that moment, I can specifically remember how I felt. And in a way, I was sort of buzzing. 
How fucked up is that? God. In that moment, it didn't feel real because I was so used to family being like that. Crazy, psychotic. And it was like, I'm going to smash the door down. I'm going to break in. I'm going to shoot. And me and my other relatives were like, oh my God, what the fuck's happening? Oh my God, it's crazy. Like it wasn't real, but it was real. And then my auntie got on the ledge and started shouting, screaming outside the window. And he was like, I know who you've been fucking and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I'll fuck him in front of you. And all this fucking crazy shit. And there you go. Blank. I don't remember what happened next, babe. How old were you? Genuinely, I don't remember. I can't have been any, at, the, at the latest early teens. And how did that affect you? Like when we say toxic families can make you feel inadequate or worthless or unsafe, how did that make you feel? I felt it was normal. Growing up, that right. was normal to me. So this That was, was really normal. It was a regular occurrence. Like, for example, another occurrence was... Um, Another uncle of mine going absolutely psychotic. So he was downstairs in the, in the kitchen, which was, you know, previously a cellar. And my grandma's it always, always happened in this fucking evil house. Mm. And um, all women were in the house at the time. And I, as a, as a kid, had to, like, go down because I was a guy to keep him calm. Next minute, you know, the police are coming and I'm asking to, asking me to give a statement over what had happened and what's happened to my uncle. But before they came, everyone told me to lie. Right. And what to say. And yeah, I know that's a bad thing for me saying now, but obviously I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? I didn't do anything wrong, you know? Mm. And I, I was told to lie. And I still don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I do remember, you know, I remember another time where um, someone's trying to, had family members threatening to kill themselves or trying to kill themselves. And we had to, like, family wanted to cover it up and not phone the ambulance. And another time my uncles were fighting and, you know, one of them tried to, wanted to kill my grandma. Um, this was like truly next Gosh. level film shit like as in this was going to happen or where my grandparents would go away every year what was it every, not Hajj what was it every year they go to Umrah Umrah yeah every year pilgrimage yeah they do pil pilgrimage every year at one point and my aunts and stuff were left with the house we call it the big house so often in Asian families you have that big house don't you yeah the family house yeah yeah yeah, yeah the main one and they just turn on um, turn on us turn on like me and my mum and stuff during that period so much they just got crazy and turned on us you know to the point where they'd, they'd lie and make shit up or invite you around try to beat you up um just so much manipulative shit and my grandparents played all their kids off each other babe it was ridiculous all of them you know to the point where one had left the family fall then she came back years later with four kids and we were all sitting around and eat eating i was like oh my god this is family Cut two, she's fucking crazy. Then she's trying to jump off a building and kill herself. Mm. Like, and this to me, for everyone listening, this kind of stuff was really normal. You know, this was very normal. You know, um, very, very normal. It was to the point where I'm only sort of un unlocking and unraveling it now because when I was younger and growing up, anger, violence, venom, and shouting, screaming and stuff was something that we were made to believe was in our blood. So we had to do it. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was. And then you almost um, associate that with love in a way, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I used to have, I used to do that. And the reason why I ask it is because I used to do it earlier on in my previous relationships where I would like start arguments. I mean, I think I dealt with a lot of that before I met you, thankfully, <laughs> but you know, I'd, I'd start arguing or even friendships and like 
turn into a whole massive thing. And once I'd get a rise out of the other person, I'd be like, oh, they really love me, they care me, that's why they're doing it. And you think, well, no, actually, it doesn't have to be like that. Just because somebody shouts at you doesn't mean they love you. Oh, not, not at that's all. What, that's what you're trying to uh, make sense in your head. And oh, that's just completely, not true. Completely. And, you know, I'm sure there's so much other stuff in, in my head that I'm, I'm trying to unlock. There's some stuff that I, I don't want to talk about. You know, right on on the podcast and stuff, and um, yeah. So I would say my family were uh, abusive on all accounts to each other, to everyone. But the the top of the list for me was the high levels of psychotic evil and manipulation of playing everyone. It's a game. It's a game. You know, when I speak to people about these little things, and they're like, "That doesn't sound like real life." No, it it doesn't. Uh, my family were literally living in the films. <laughs> yeah, trying to be strategic and manipulative towards each other. Yeah, and all the all those kids and everyone else were collateral damage at the end of the day because you know if you can hurt a child, you hurt a parent. And then when you grow old, older, you're expected to grow out of it all. Oh yeah, like to the point where. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, my aunties don't know why they 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 thought they'd take it upon themselves to let my little brother know before he would need to know that we had different dads. Right. Like, how is that going to affect him? Do you know what I mean? Like, so much. So much so. You know, they took it on themselves to do fucking crazy stunts. You know, like, for example, put my number on Gumtree so gay men would ring me when I was 15, 16 years old and then tried to out me and do all that. Like, that's wrong. What you're doing, that's so psychotic, you know? And I've told that story before about... The coming out and my auntie was waiting there with red lipstick on and was like, you finally arrived. I'm like, this isn't real life. When I tell that story, it doesn't sound real, does it? No. It's like, this is a film set that I'm living in. So I was so accustomed to it and so used to it that when I got out of it, it was, I'm still getting out of it now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In your head. Well, what I was going to ask you is, um, uh, I think another sign of being raised in a toxic family is being afraid to feel anger towards your family members. You know, when I was talking about that sort of unspoken rule set, you know, respect your elders, speak to them politely, and despite them committing atrocities against you, you are expected Mm. to carry on with that facade. And so then what happens is you have a lot of anger and resentment built up in you that often is misplaced. Would you agree? Oh, of of course. You know, you you can't be angry at your family. You can't be back at them because why? They're the hand that feeds. They, you know, they no matter which house of relative, grandma, auntie, uncle, mum, dad you go to, you will be fed. No matter what happens that day, guess what? You will know what will happen. There'll be curry, curry there ready. There'll be rice, jowl, kebabs. There'll be everything there. Regardless of who is trying to kick the shit out of who, who is committing suicide, who is going to end up in the hospital at night, you will have food. See, my family would use, oh yeah, 100% food was always that, that continuing running stream. But, you know, my family would use religion and they would say that, you know, uh, you have to respect your parents. You have to respect your elders. In Islam, yada, yada, yada. I don't even remember half the, the tales and stories and, you know, stuff that they used to say. But that that's what was used against me. And, you know, something, although I'm, you know, happy-go-lucky, I've realized that I do actually have a lot of anger issues. There's times where I feel, you know, sad, lonely, depressed, and angry for no apparent reason. And or if something happens, I feel absolute rage. And you know, you know me, I, I don't act upon it. Mm. Um, 
but it's there. It's at, it's right at the tip of my tongue. And you know, when it when the opportunity comes, like my senses kick in, and I'm like, oh no, 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 what's going on? But I hate the fact that I have that rage always bubbling under the surface, kind of thing. And I and it it honestly scares me. And there was a long time for the longest time I had sleep apnea um, or, or sleep paralysis, and it would always be my brother holding me down, pinning me down. I'm not be able to breathe. He would um, be beating me up and I'm not doing anything. And I would wake up. And I think you you've, you saw it with me in my, uh, you know, during the earlier time of our relationship where I would just wake up and I'd be making a bizarre noise or something. And it was because I was having a dream of him mm-hmm. being abusive towards me. And it was my mind reminding me of all those times where he was abusive towards me and I did nothing. Yeah. You know... Sometimes I think to myself, what would have happened if I just slapped my dad across the face one day? Oh, could you be dead? No. What if I just did that just to make my position clear Mm. that I'm not going to take shit and I'm not going to allow you to enable it? I'm not condoning violence. I'm not saying do it. But I do think to I'm I'm being completely, you know, open and honest about it. I do sometimes think that because I think to myself, what could I have done to have stopped it all? The thing is, you couldn't have done anything, babe. You're a poor defenseless kid, teenager, child. You're their baby. You you can't do anything to stop it. You know, there's, there's more than... It's not even about overpowering someone physically. It's mentally the hold that someone has over you. Mm. And emotionally, there's, there's a lot. You could be bigger than someone, but they can have such a hold over you that you they won't let you breathe. Yeah. You know, it, it it's scary, absolute scary levels, you know, completely. Hey, isn't it interesting how we haven't even mentioned being gay? Oh, yeah. And this is this. Oh, do you know what? I'm glad you mentioned now because when people talk about, you know, how it's coming out for you, I'm like, guess what? That was the final piece of the fucking puzzle. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if, if it was, like, there was so much we had to deal with being, do you know when you're in school and people were random ask, are you gay? Or this and that. I'm like, guess yeah. what? Genuinely? I don't have an answer for you right now because I can't process my feelings towards, you know, of my sexuality when I'm dealing with this. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, as we were recording this, as we were recording, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what were the times where people were really homophobic towards you in school? And to be honest with you, there were times when, you know, regularly I get called gay boy or, you know, uh, yeah, predominantly just gay boy. But I think the kids knew that I was gay and, you know, they just didn't probably know that it's a bad word or, you know, a bad thing to say. You know, it, it didn't really make me feel like shit because guess what? The homophobic abuse that used to come from my family mm. was a hundred times worse. Mm. It was it was so much worse. Mm. I don't know. Did you have that at home? I have so many blank spots. It's, uh, it's scary, you know. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I'm learning so much. I have so many blank spots. And I'm really surprised that me, I have blank spots. You know, like, I'm the memory queen. (laughs) You pride yourself on having a sharp memory. Oh, on remembering. And I don't mean, like, facts and figures. I mean, like, myself and stuff that's happened or stuff that, like, you know, I remember... On holiday on this day, we did this six years ago. Do you know what I mean? Very specific. I, I, yeah. I'm very good. Like, you know, you can come to me and you can ask me something. And oh, I, yeah. I remember, you know, I've, I've got that unlocked. And um, this is really weird to me. And it's really interesting because my mum has the same thing. You know, mm. she 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 has bank spots. But 
I guess I want I want to know them. There's a difference. Yeah. In the evolution there. Like I, I want to uncover those blank spots. Homophobia, homophobia. I'm trying my best. I remember I, I genuinely, I can't remember. I, I remember at one point, one of my, this was on my stepdad's side of the family. Um, mm. One of the relatives, I remember him driving past in a car and he called me a faggot. I remember that. Right. Like in front of all street of people. And I wasn't by then. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. And um, I, I remember that. And I remember there was a bit of, tension and irate from my mum from that or something and then he tried it on my brother as well there was nothing because I knew he wasn't gay do you know what I mean mm. I, but honestly babe good great question I'm glad you brought it up and I'm hoping there's listeners out there can, can that can please DM and message us if you do understand like do you have blank spots and when people ask you a question sometimes is it like I know there's something there, but I can't answer it because I don't remember. Fair enough. Yeah, no. Pl- sorry, sorry, that's a shit answer. No, but- no, no. That, it, the reason why I asked the question is because, you know, another trait of um, uh, being raised in a toxic family is the hope that one day they will change. Mm. I, as a child, used to dream that my entire family were in an aeroplane and it crashed. That way I wasn't responsible for their death, but their abuse would stop. Yeah, And I didn't know why I would dream that or hope or wish that. I never knew why, but I would. that was that was a constant thought in my head. I, th- I believe I even prayed after, um, you know, on a mat to, to God about that, you know, uh, what, a, a couple of times. It, it felt that compelling. Now as I'm growing older, I'm beginning to realize as to why that was. Um, now you're going to wonder as to how I'm tying it into everything. But, you know, it's... <sighs> It's because now that I'm older, there's a part of me that thinks, okay, fine, my family kicked me out for being gay. Maybe one day they'll change. Maybe one day something will be different. And then I think to myself, what about everything that happened to you in childhood? Mm. Before even you knew yourself you were gay or were ready to admit to yourself that you were gay, what about all the shit that happened before then? Do you do you want to confront your family about that? Do you do you think you can ever get to a point where you're amicable with each other, just in spite of everything that happened? Can you put yourself through all that? Can you do you want to put yourself through? Is that? it worth it? And so then I have to think to myself, they've done so much to you. The, the, we ain't gonna go back. Yeah, we ain't gonna go back. You might be able to gloss over and say, oh, just because you're gay, this is how you're treating your family. Girl, there's a lot more behind it that's far worse. That's, that's, I'm not saying it's before you were gay, but it, stuff happened before your sexuality was in question. Yes, 100%. And that, that's one thing um, as um, LGBTQ plus people, um, sometimes we forget that trauma can exist without our sexuality or identity being part of it. A hundred percent. You know, it can be just because people are horrible and abusive and manipulative and evil. Now, you may hear a slight sound in the background. <laughs> that is our dog snoring. Not our dog, babe. Well, for now. She's going to be a good therapy dog in a bit. She's wonderful. She's I a wonderful know. therapy dog. But no, you're absolutely right. I, I I agree with what you're saying. And I'm sorry, guys, this is uh, this has definitely been a, a heavy episode. I but know. We, we purposefully wanted it to be an open can of worms so that in the next episode we can discuss as to how we can overcome these things. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be open and honest about something else. Um, I, am actually, I have actually finally decided to start um, uh, doing therapy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and also, I know we we mentioned the term South Asian, but in in reality, many people, regardless of their sexuality or um, ethnicity, will resonate with what we're saying. Of course. Um, particularly people from religious backgrounds. You know, I have a friend who was raised in a Mormon household, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and another one who lived in a strict Christian household, and their stories are similar. Very similar. They are, there are parallels there. Um, and yeah, I want to be honest about that. So I am on that road to try and get better and, and deal with what I uh, have gone through. And I would encourage people who feel destitute or who feel they can get through it themselves to seriously consider therapy as well. Mm-hmm. <sighs> right. I think it's time to wrap this one up. It's time to wrap yeah. this one up. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes. You feel labored by what we've spoken about. No, I feel I feel it's good. It's good. It's, it's cathartic. It is. It, it definitely is. And um, take your time listening to this episode, guys, because it is a heavy one. Yeah, and please let us know what you think and, you know, share your views with us, you know, comment and review and message and share and all that stuff. You know, the, the wider we share these kind of things, because I don't know if many people spoke up, many people don't speak out about these kind of things. Yeah, and, and uh, can I say something? I, this may not uh, bode well for us, but I think... When you're commenting, guys, um, definitely give us your viewpoint. I think um, don't worry about sharing your own encounters of what we've gone through. Mm. I would, you know, you're more than welcome to share it if you want to, but I would, um, I don't think it's going to do much for you unless it's being shared in a professional environment, I'd say. Do you know? No, I I agree. Yeah, we're we're not therapists. No, we're not exactly. We're not therapists, and you might feel better, you know, sending us a message about it. And great that you know, I great do it. But just know that it's not going to be as it's not going to be of as much consequence as it would be if you were sharing it with a with a therapist or a specialist. And we're only doing this episode because you know we have both sought professional help. Yeah, uh, and and we've been honest with each other. You know, when you share something, it's like. I can be here for you, but I'm not a therapist. A hundred percent. And we're very honest like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is, you know, the intention of sharing this stuff is so that, you know, people can resonate and not feel alone. And the next episode is going to be very much around a resolution. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We hope it was useful. And uh, we look forward to connecting with y'all on the next episode. Goodbye, everyone. We love you lots. But you You don't don't love me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast with Amir and Amir. Follow us on Instagram at You Don't Love Me Boys. Follow us also on Twitter at YDLM Boys. And you can also email us on You Don't Love Me Boys at Outlook.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.